A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my lit yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Movement by Lara podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings everywhere. Today's topic is what's the deal with the moon? Um, in yoga, we have a pose called half moon, which is actually one of my favorites. I have a lot of favorites and I'll get to that in a little bit, but the moon is, is really, when we talk about movement, the moon is such a great example of movement and of change because as we know, we can actually kind of clock our days by the phases of the moon. The moon is shifting um, in its alignment with the earth and the sun and how it reflects that light is shown in its phases. So it is really a great, just planetary, astronomical uh, feature of movement that we really talk about a lot in our daily lives. There's a lot of folklore around it. There's, of course, science around it. We get excited when there's full moons or super moons or all these different cool lit up sky moons. And I just wanted to talk about it a little bit. I want to first, the caveat is I am not a scientist of the moon. So I've just gathered this information from my own curiosity. And like everything in life, I try and examine it with critical thinking because there's a lot of anecdotal, like I said, folklore about the moon. And then there's what the science has shown up to date to be true. And so I'm just going to talk about both of those things, and then we can kind of conclude what we want on our own. <laughs> so first of all, the moon is, the moon's phases are a reflection of how much of the, the, the moon's surface is being illuminated by the sun as we see it from the earth. So that's how, when we look at the, the different stages of the moon, that's how it's analyzed. It is the reflection of how much of the lunar surface is being illuminated by the sun. 
And this amount changes over the course of a, of a month known as a lunar month, which is generally about 29 and a half days. Our calendars usually 30 to 31 and sometimes 28. So 29.5 days. Um, and this is all according to its position, the relative position of the earth, moon, and sun in the sky. So there are those times when the moon falls in the earth's shadow. To, and this is what is known as a lunar eclipse. So half of the moon's surface is always illuminated by the sunlight and half is shadowed. So sometimes the moon presents in full sunlight um, on the full sunlit side of the earth. And we see this full disk of reflected sunlight or the full moon. And at other times, the portion of the moon's sunlight side is pointing our way and we only see a sliver of sunlight. And so that becomes the crescent moon or, or the gibbous moon. So there's different phases of the moon that we know of. We know that the new moon is when the sky is dark and, and all that light is truly not being illuminated. And from so from the earth, we don't see the moon at all. It's being blocked. Its light is being blocked. And that's that really, those are those really dark nights. And in this phase, the, the moon is between earth and sun and is not visible. So the darkness is, you know, this feeling of almost rebirth or birthing. It's reflective of a beginning. And that's why new moons, a lot of times we will energetically feel like things are starting over. It's almost like that seed beneath the ground that hasn't um, come up. So we can't, we can't see it, but it's the beginning of something new. And so energetically, when people talk about the new moon, this the energy there is is of um, vitality and, and and strength. This is people will set intentions at this time because this is or goals, new project, new ideas. Because this again is this beginning stage where a, the potential is there. So some people will write down goals. Some people will kind of put them out to the universe, and that the energy then will be expanded into the different phases of the moon. People will have ceremonies around new moons. And this is a lot of times a very personal time and, and, and reflective time of where you want your next 29.5 days to go. So it's, it's really a, a wonderful way we can mark our days through the way the light is in the sky or not in the sky. So the next phase after the new moon is called the waxing crescent. So this is the illuminated portion of the moon when it starts to increase, but it's still less than, than the half moon. So it's getting builder. It's building this on this strength of the, the groundedness. So this would be like the, the seed is starting to sprout. And this is indi in indicating forward motion. And there's a lot of aspiration that is felt here because you're starting to begin to see light and where it's going. So this is when people are tracking this phase, they're looking at how their goals can start to come more to fruition and maybe identifying where they need to focus their goals. So this is a, lo a lot of time, again, people will journal about intentions and it's very motivating, um, growing time. Then we come to the first quarter phase. And this phase is also called the half moon since it's illuminated on one half and it's increasing. And this is the half moon pose that we talk about in yoga is really 
indicative of, of this phase, what it looks like in the sky. It's the seed is now really starting to grow forward. It has structure to it. It symbolizes both rooting down and expansiveness. And it takes strength and conviction and focus, balance, of course, in, in half moon pose, if you're familiar with yoga, because you're on one leg, you're balancing, and but you're expanding from that, from that grounding leg. And again, it's this idea of moving forward, maybe despite any challenges like the balance. And so it's a wonderful phase. And that's, maybe that's why I love half moon of the, the symbolism of it, that it, it is both we're grounded in our, in our goals and our aspirations, but there were, there's also movement in the direction of, of getting them. And so this is a very passionate phase the half moon phase. So in the next phase, it's called the waxing gibbous moon. And this is after that half moon phase, we're starting to really increase. It's now more than half, but it's not yet full. So it's think of the, when you start to look out at springtime and you see that the buds are of the flowers and they're starting to unfurl just a little bit. And you feel like the the just um, fertility of this phase, right? It's really like it's happening. You can see it happening. It hasn't quite gone into its fullest bloom, but you can feel it. So there's just this incredible potential. And that's when a lot of people will look up and be like, wow, it's, you, they can sense it's almost a full moon. There's an excitement to it. There's an energy. And so when people are talking kind of about the spiritual connection of it, this really represents you can journal more. This is about getting what you want, attaining it, and then um, expansiveness. So beyond your own goals and maybe even into um, the goals of others or, or in others' circles. And then finally, we get to the good old full moon. In this phase, the moon, earth, and sun are aligned and, and like the new moon, but this time the moon is on the other side, directly opposite of the sun. So the entire illuminated portion can be seen on earth and it can be full and round. And this is full bloom. This is like you have started from your, from your new moon, the darkness, the seed, and expanded. And it really represents transformation, light, abundance, all this magical stuff. But we know that we're, then it's going to wane again. So there is also this sense of that things will not regress, but diminish. And in that diminishing, spiritually, people will encourage you to release the things. So full moon can also be a release. Release the things that are not purposeful, that are not um, helping you achieve what you want. And it's just a time of reflection of that because there is this magical healing sense that you can let go and in the recharging. Now, speaking of recharging, people will often bring their crystals outside in full moonlight. Um, sometimes if people are into oracle cards, they'll bring them out to be exposed by the moon. And this is, this is thought to have this cleansing and charging property from the moon's fullest energy. Now, this is also, there's a lot of extreme energy that's um, that is often attributed to a full moon when a lunar or lunacy 
is uh, lunacy meaning craziness. So people will talk a lot about full moon craziness. And, and I'll, I'll get to the science behind that in a moment. But that is attributed. So this is also this wild stage of, of charged energy. And perhaps it's not all focused charged energy. So there could be a, a release or craziness associated with it. These are all thoughts, right? <laughs> and so there are people in um, that have practiced full moon ceremonies that are really releasing. It's a releasing ceremony. You might burn, uh, you might write your um, what you want to release on a paper and burn it. There can be fire ceremonies related to it. After the full moon, we start to wane. So waxing is is increasing in size, and waning is decreasing. Waning gibbous. So we're going back now into this not quite half moon stage. Um, this is where the light is gradually starting to decrease. And the moon is not as full as it was, but it's not quite half. And this is we are it's also known as the dissemination moon, which brings about energy for better communication and revelation. So things that have kind of come up and then you can discuss them or communicate them in some way. The third quarter is the um, another half moon, but it's now decreasing in its in its illumination. So this is looked upon as being the time where we had planted the seeds in the new moon; they were grown, and then if they have been, and the harvest of those seeds are have been um, taken or reaped. And this is now looked upon as this um, really contemplative stage, introspective, reflecting and reevaluating for the future. You've accomplished stuff, but and you've hopefully gotten rid of some negative thoughts or energy, but you're preparing for the new beginning of the um, next moon, the next new moon. So those are the phases, and there's lots of wonderful books about it. One book um, I'm going to tell you about is called Natalia Kuna. Let's also spelled like Luna, K-U-N-A, who wrote the book The Mysterious Moon. And she talks the about she refers to the scientific research that has found that all matters hold a frequency, including the moon. And this could affect the human subtly. So it, these frequencies can affect and influence thoughts, impressions in our subconscious mind. And they are more active in times of changing patterns of the moon. So you could you could check out her work about it. And then there's all kinds of other books. And it really, there's books from the incredibly spiritual, like how each moon is reflective of what's going on in our body, how we are affected because we're 75% water and the moon is pulling on the tides and the tide, you know, on and on and on. There's a lot of stuff out there about that. So let me talk about the the science part of it. Because I just think it's good to know both, to, to, to have this like, as my dad would often say, he would there would be science, and he was super science based, really, really intelligent. But then something else would happen, and he would say, "Well, who's to say?" Meaning, like, hmm, let's not discard facts because we know where that heads. That that that's just when you have, um, you know, fake news or fake facts or or not living in reality. That's not a smart, critical thinking mind. But we also can suspend some of this, we can have a little sus- suspended belief sometimes when it comes to these folklore or anecdotal um, stories 
that that are interesting and that that could affect us because even the thought of like okay it's a new moon it's time for me to reflect even saying that in your subconscious whether or not there's any science behind that it's it's a behavior it's a habit you could develop that every 29.5 days you say hmm let me see how how am i doing right now where do I want to go? How do I want this next lunar cycle to be for me, which is essentially almost a month? And it could be a reset and a recharge every month. And that's a habit that could be beautiful. And I know a lot of people who have a lot of these moon cycle ceremonies, and I think it brings them not only joy and celebration, but a lot of introspection. So I will tell you the science, but just know that there is a lot of interesting um, ways to 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 fuse both. I, I guess I should say to fuse both the science, which really does not believe in any of this stuff, and then the folklore, which does believe in it. All right, so let's talk about some of the science stuff. Um, the moon throughout time, we know, has hold the has held this kind of mystical place in in history, and. There's many myths about it, from werewolves to the the lunacy that I was talking about. There's um, even myths about that there's increased um, emergency room visits, that there's increased in seizures of from people that are suffering from epilepsy, and all kinds of things that that are supposedly linked to the moon cycles. We know the phrase, oh gosh, it must be a full moon when people are feeling crazy, (laughs) when people are feeling crazy or their um, crazy stuff is happening. So it's it's really um, encoded or at least threaded into our, even our languaging and our, our thought processes that things are related to the moon. And the majority of studies that have been conducted do not find a connection. There, they've or very minimally have proved inconclusive, but um, I'll I'll tell you about some of those studies. So reliable studies compare different lunar phases to births, heart attacks, deaths, violence, seizures, other things, and these studies have again found little or no connection. Now, one possible link that could be, be into play is just before we had lights. People, our ancestors, relied on the moon heavily. And they would, um, so if there was a full moon, a lot more activity would be happening because we would have an illuminated sky. So the, the possibility for disrupted um, activity or increased activity or sleep deprivation or any kind of uh, maybe violence, interaction, could definitely happen. It, it makes sense if we look back to a time when there wasn't modern lighting. It would make sense that there would be just more stuff happening on a full moon and less stuff happening on a new moon because it was literally darker outside. So there is that makes sense to me from from my background as a biological anthropologist and anatomy major. That was my major undergrad. We would look at how we are affected by multiple things for and, and what affects us from an evolutionary standpoint. So how we've changed in our body, in our movement patterns, in our nutrition, in our migration, all of these are absolutely affected by stages of the moon. Because when we were hunter and gatherers, 
there are times where obviously it would be you would it'd be much easier to hunt in a full moon, for example, or gather something in a full moon than it would be in a new moon. So there's probably more likely for accidents to happen and fights to happen and you know energy sort you know like being um, up all night type of thing. So there is a lot that totally makes sense to me, and that means that that's in our wiring, you know, from generations and generations. So I think that totally makes sense. The the moon and tides. So I, as I was mentioning, we we know the body is about seventy five percent water. So people often will think the tides are affected by the moon, and therefore the moons must be affecting us because we have water within us. This has been shown not to be true because the moon is so far away, it can't create that type of gravitational effect on our body. So that is, there's been no measurable dif- um, difference in the moon's gravitational effect on one side of our body or the other in those different phases of the moon. Um, They've studied the full moon effect, like I mentioned before, and there hasn't been any real conclusion about like increased lunacy or emergency room visits, or even when we talk about like um, women menstruating and stuff. So these, these kind of myths, for lack of a better word, or stories, myths or stories, they, they do persist because our minds are very convincible. And here's an example. I've, I've, actually done quite a few full moon um, ceremonies, written things that I wanted to discard that weren't working for me and burn them in a fire ceremony. And it is powerful because our mind is very focused on it and it is incredibly persuadable. And that's not a bad thing. And I think if we believe something that we're practicing and that it is helping us, then it is powerful. So what I think from from the science and the folklore and the practices that can happen is try it out for yourself and see what, what works for you. Maybe keep a journal for a month and, and really tie it into the phases of the moon and let it be reflective of your inner landscape, your inner lunar changes from the new moon as a place of beginning, you know, so setting that intention and having this actual tangible marker. Today is the new moon. And today I'm going to plant the seed of my goal for the next month. It could be for the next year, but you're, if you're going to do the lunar month, the lunar month, it should be the month that you're in. And then work toward that goal and check in with the phases of the moon. Are you growing? Are you expanding? Are you getting charged up? Is it becoming, are you getting into the half moon phase? And this is why practicing the pose of half moon is so lovely because it embodies this idea of growth and purpose, but grounding and strength of balance and lightness and illumination. So there's wonderful things that happen in the pose of half moon that we can embody that would be happening in the lunar moon. And then going into the full moon and its brightness and its and its celebration, you know, take out your crystals, take out your cards, write something down that you want to release that no longer is helping you toward this greater goal. So these are some ideas that, like I said, there's lots of great books out there, information out there, people who do full moon cycles, full moon circles, full moon celebrations fire ceremonies and all that stuff. So 
Look for them. Try them out for yourself. It's really fascinating. If not anything else, it gets us more in tune with nature, with the way we used to live when we really had to tune into the phases of the moon for uh, when it was a time of day we could we needed to come in, when we could stay up later and be more productive because there was more of full light, when we needed to be more reflective and more self-directed in the newer phases. So this really helps us become more integrated with nature. And we know that so many of us in our modern day world are nature deprived. So if you're in a city, do your best to try and get out and look at the moon in some little patch of grass where there's the least amount of lights that are are, um, blurring or interfering with the natural light of the moon. It's super powerful. It really connects us to the earth, to who we are, to our place here in this magical planet and solar system that we exist in. And yes, we are just a speck, but might as well make our movement on the earth in the light of the moon as as powerful and as compassionate-filled and as purposeful as we can. So as always, I'm pulling for you. Please share this episode with others who might be interested and um, might be inspired by it. And if you haven't already, uh, subscribe. That helps a lot with the podcast. You can keep me going three times a week. I have a lot of information I'd love to share and I'd love to hear your ideas. So please write me at podcast at movementbylara.com and tell me what you'd like me to talk about. And as always, sending you hugs and lots of love.